And indeed, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they are back today. As Well, they'll be back in the fall as the campus is opening up. Notre Dame says today as early as August 10th with fall break going into October and semester ending before Thanksgiving. Mike Myers, I know I know that you were sort of in that area by Notre Dame, Indiana, all, all around there. What a day uh, to know that my favorite college school is opening up. It's, it's very cool. It's about time. And uh, it, it is kind of like saying I'm F, loving you it. To F you to Fauci in a way, you know? Wow. What does that stand for? Oh, uh, well. Anyway, it is a big it is a big um big deal and I wonder if Touchdown Jesus and and Notre Dame football will be active this fall. <laughs> Touchdown Jesus. I love it. it reminds that, me of a song. Uh Well, you know that's kind of what they call it. So they have this big big picture of Jesus over the field. It's really cool actually. So I'm really, yeah, I'm excited. Um, and every time I play the theme of Notre Dame, I get, I get bumped, uh, goosebumps. But, uh, Mike, I've got a question because today's show is going to be about stocks and how the stock market's reacting during all this, what the economists are saying. So from your point, do you ever mingle with stocks? Do you ever buy, sell or? Uh, I, I have invested in um, CDs for years. Okay. Compact discs. Sorry. I thought you were going to say that, but I was like, maybe he's actually going to yeah. not be joking today. No. So seriously, no, no. I, it's not my, uh-uh. no, it's uh, I don't even do scratch tickets anymore. And truth be told, I don't either because I see that it's sort of like a compulse. I, I don't know. Buying stocks is a risk, and I'm not really about that risk-taking uh, effort there to buy stocks did, and hope it goes. Did you know that uh, gambling addiction is a part of these these programs now? You know, if you got a meth addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever addiction, gambling is a. I didn't realize gambling was such a terrible addiction. Oh, it's um, it's horrible. It is. It is hard. Wow. So, uh, no, so so that's going to happen. And that's kind of why I guess I struggled through the interview. I mean, because I don't want to exactly promote stocks. However, millennials during the economy is something interesting to me because how are we reacting with the mobile app, with the phone? How are millennials dealing with this crisis and trying to stay afloat economically? Um, wow. There's, you know, there are just so many, there's so much going on that I have to continue to come back to my main focus, which is, okay, we're here, you know, it's an appointed time for each of us. And then, and then what, I mean, I don't know, it's still about hope and stuff and i'm going to read some letters to some various churches this morning which i'm looking forward to how was uh, your 15 minute the, feature uh how they like it yesterday morning oh you mean the, the one that i plugged i don't know um but it is interesting to see uh you know the problem is it, when it 
So how would I gauge that? I don't know. I mean, if anybody ask people on, what they think. Yeah, sure. And you could even do that today on today's show. Okay. So what if uh, people say, you know, I think your 15 minute opening sucked Myers. Don't let them stop you. Just keep doing then what, what I do. Doing. Now do that again. Do it again. Pardon me? Just don't let them stop you. Keep it going. Keep doing what you got to do. And that's it. You just hit it out of the park. That's what this and is that's all what about. I, love about. I mean, and today you got a new new thing you're doing, which I love. And it sounds like, from what I can tell, you have a bit of a structure going. Well, in that now you've got another thing you're going to do today. You're going to read church letters, which what is am, great. And then do some more tomorrow. What am I going to do today? What What am I doing today? Well, you were saying you want you want to read church letters on the air today. Oh, yeah, it's just from the Bible. Okay. Book of Revelation. But what I'm yeah. saying is, wish you were hot or cold. I love that you come and plan every day. I mean, it's just we need more podcasters yeah. like that. You know what's fat? Oh, you mean with uh, hopefully a single focus? Yeah. Well, that is exactly what has been kind of sort of on my mind for the last probably. Week, week and a half. It's like, so what is Radio Hope? I mean, I just came across the thing about uh, the view and how they just ripped Trump up. And it's like, I could I could go off with that. I mean, I might touch on it a little bit. But, I, you know, Alex, I'm so fed up with COVID. And I think my own daughter, who's a doctor, is upset with me because I haven't gone to get tested. I need to contact her. You know what I'm more upset about? That not many people in the mainstream world are opening up with, hey, things are getting back to normal. You can too. No one's sending that message out. Oh, and that is a fantastic message. You just... yeah, Wow. Yes. And again, I'm not gonna... I refuse... To live in fear. And it doesn't mean I'm not caring. Janelle put quite a post up this morning that I'm going to read. And it's about how she has reacted at times towards what's going on with other folks. I don't want to, I don't want to fall into the trap of slamming each other. I mean, we're supposed to build each other up, not tear each other down. And it's just this, we're in a tearing down period. It's just getting old. It, it makes me depressed. Well, and I know it must get tiring talking about the tearing down almost every day. I mean, because you see it on your page. Yes, I do. In fact, and and when somebody said, you know, maybe what you need to do is get different friends. No, sorry to be in the world, not of it. And I'm not going to just pick and choose the ones that agree with me because what I have this, this couple that uh, stops over on occasion and they're on like 20, I don't know how many days of of sobriety and um, uh, unfortunately Trump continues to come up and I'm just like, look, I don't want to talk politics with you. I'll talk Jesus with you, but I ain't talking no politics. Okay. I'm saying to It is interesting how uh, we're seeing that divide in Christianity. Some that love Trump and some that don't. Yeah. And then, and then to be questioned by your neighbor how you could possibly be a Christian and vote for Trump. And you know what? I again, I've said this many times. Am I? I'm not like a 
a stupid sheep that follows after every move that he makes. Every move you make, every... <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, You're looking good, sir. And how are you? Uh, I feel better. I actually got a decent sleep for once, so I feel better. Uh, so how do we get ourselves out of that mindset of always following the COVID crisis? I don't know. I don't know. Because it's ingrained in us at, the po- at this point. I'm out of focus. That's okay. I even shaved for you this morning. Okay, I'm sorry. I totally was not listening. Say that again. It's that okay. was rude on it's my okay. part. No, um, it's not. It's not. It's terrible. Uh, no, I was saying, uh, you know, how do we just get out, get out of our way of following all this stuff and go on to other stuff that also needs to be focused on? Oh, this is so weird that you mentioned these. How do we get out of our way? And there's two songs that are about us just getting out of the way of what God is doing and not be so, it doesn't mean that you don't care. It means that you care about the most important things. And for me, the most important things are other people. And I hate this. I hate to see people suffer. I really do. Well, obviously you don't because you don't wear a mask. Oh, you know what? Colonoscopy up I got you. I, I know. I'm I know sorry. I am so, so. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, people at 9 a.m. Eastern, what can they expect today from Radio <laughs> Hope? On that note, expect the yeah, <laughs> expect the unexpected. Because I don't even know what's gonna. You know, this morning, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But if I always got something to talk about, That's there's funny. so much to talk about. I was almost well, there is. Gonna, I was almost not going to do this today because I'm like, what can I talk to Mike about? Then I'm like, you know what? We can make it happen. We'll just roll with it. That's how good it is because it just it one just thing does. seems to lead to another with these conversations. Well, and for some people that can be a need for alcohol when they're around people. Like my wife was talking to this this girlfriend of this this guy. This they're they're both. This guy still acts like he's on meth. He, he talks so fast. And so Laura and this other gal, uh, look, you know, they had their own little conversation. And, and, and Laura said, do you ever just have to kind of just sort of just back away and just not mm. say anything? Just hope that maybe some peace that passeth all understanding might settle in. <laughs> Those poor ladies. I love that. That's that's the kind of peace God gives that the world can't give it to you because it doesn't have it to give. It can't. It cannot physically give that kind of peace. We are not. It's so funny that God made us in His image, and yet we are so not like Him. In many. Oh wow! Exactly. Well, it's because of. You know, it was because of. uh, Well, well, I like it. Do you think if Eve doesn't eat the apple, that really isn't the start? Or were there other things before that? Well, actually, it's it's misunderstood. Eve Eve had a pear. Oh, you had mentioned yes, I've heard I've heard you talk about this before. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it was the pear that distracted Adam. And he fell for her pair and just did what she wanted to do. So <laughs> I'm sorry. You need to not have me on anymore. I, I think need we to have you on. 
No, I don't think so. I think I'm, I, if your mom, one of these days, your mom's going to say, Alex, honey, he's not good for you. Oh no. <laughs> I'm a grown, a- grown ass man. I mean, that's what I you are too. That can golf. Yes. And I was in ways that. that are unbelievable. I'm glad you mentioned that because you know what? I was so focused on the whole, uh, what was I talking about? The whole shirt changing. And I forgot to mention my dear friend, Carla Penalino. I'll send her this little bit. She took that picture for me at the golf outing. And every time something golf relevant happens and I post it, I would say, Hey, look, Carla, your picture is still relevant. Cause look at all. It, it still works for any occasion when it comes to talking golf. Well, actually, if I wasn't accused of exploiting you, and I know your mom was concerned about that many years ago, your that photo is <laughs> that 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 would be the perfect picture for for Radio Hope. Thank How you you you, you know, and I, and I I know I'm going over the top of this sometimes, but you you remind me of my brother Dale. He just mm-hmm. no matter what life would give him he just kept keep pushing keep pushing on he just he just wouldn't stop and i love that about that guy and i usually don't talk about the emails i get from people after i do these shows but i've actually gotten some that say like this woman this lady jan hurst i had her on sunday she said she related to my story and she loved my mom she said your mom is precious like I'm getting all this feedback from people that I never even thought would, would you know, I don't know. I just feel like I'm here, turn on a mic. That's all. I don't realize the impact I'm making. So whenever I get these emails, it's like, am I really doing something here? Am I really moving a needle or something? Like it just, it doesn't hit me until I get something back from the guest, I guess. And, and think about it. If you, if you were so full of yourself that you, you know, you decided that, you know, um, Obviously, God wants to use me as his poster child. So, uh, of course, I've gotten responses from people knowing what a great guy I am and how I just don't stop. I just keep going and going. And my humility, I'm extremely proud of my humility. You don't do that. That's what's cool about Alex. You're just Alex living his life out. Stumbling with what? When, he need, when he does. Stumbling around sometimes. but Stumbling life. around. See what I mean? You are you're a... You're a hoot, dude. <laughs> would you come on and do a show sometime? I wouldn't yes, have, obviously I would not love to. I would love to. Come I would on be. And talk. I would be honored. We could. We could do it. We could do an evening show. Yeah. If you'd prefer. Well, either way, we can make it work. Well, yeah, because after this, I usually get right to work. So if we did something in the evening, I would love that. Yeah, evening show would be great. And you are on the East Coast, so we're talking a one-hour difference. Yeah. And would you want to do it like on a different night than Ed, obviously, so we could do that? Let's let's do it. No, let's do it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to tell I... you, don't tell Ed, but we really got him to do some interviews because I love what he did last week with this guy that called up. And they had a whole 45-minute oh, conversation. Yeah. He's got yeah. to do more of that because he's actually very good in the interviewing style. Yes, yes. He is. And actually, you know, interviews uh, and learning how to do an interview properly. I've gone back and listened to some of my my old stuff. Um, and it's like, Mike, this is about them. Don't start telling your story for 15 minutes, you dim wad. 
whatever that is. Dim well, you, one. <laughs> you're in focus, by the way. I just saw you got back into focus. Yeah, and I don't know what happened. It's an automatic kind of thing. You know what I mean? The Oh, no, these webcams. I used to do this thing with a Logitech webcam. That's what I'd be I in have. the middle of doing like a sports report. I was like, I was sitting here doing my sports report. The camera would like wander off. It's like, where are you going, dude? <laughs> where, where are you going? Come on. Uh, Let's see. Stop. I Oh, I know. I could have. There's a little. Never mind. I could have stopped the video and turned it back on. It would have autofocused, but it fixed itself. So I'm gonna I don't do know why. Of, I'm going to do a bit of a disclaimer here. I do not. Um, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I really don't know if buying stocks is the best thing for our health. However, I know people do. That is why I interviewed my next guest, because people do do it. And we need to figure out what the pattern is like during the pandemic. And I'm glad you brought it back to what your show is going to be about. That's very good. That's very professional. I love it. <laughs> well, because it was sort of a, I was just like, I, I get worried that I'm just in my head when I think of these things, I start worrying, like, are they going to think I'm promoting it? Am I not promoting I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where my I'm just pretty straightforward. It's about. <clears throat> but Mike, you a... are not only promoting God's word, you're informing us. So how do you how are you able to keep that balance of promoting and informing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. There's times I've thought, just quit doing this. You're, you're making an idiot of yourself. And it's at least I'm. Oh, that reminds me of another song. God's own fool. Let's see. It's a great song, by the way, by Michael Card. God's own fool. <clears throat> you know, I am who I am. I'm just Mike. But I'm God's Mike. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> and I get to use a mic being God's Mike. Hi, Mike. I'm weird. But you're humble, too. I mean, you're not all about I'm yourself. I am so humble. I can't even wear my humble button. I'm so humble. Because I'm so humble. And you don't really say, most of the time you don't say, oh, I'm God's child, and so listen to me. I don't hear that kind of thing coming from you. Well, <laughs> there's a reason for that. Man, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm like, well, I tell you what, I, I ain't no Paul, and I, I mess up. So I encourage people just to get it right from the Savior's mouth. There you go. Get in the book. And it hit me this morning. I got all choked up. It's like, okay, here I, I, I do. I play music. I read books. I finished that one book called It, which is a great book. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, yeah, but Mike, when's the last time you read those letters? Those letters that God's given to everybody. I mean, and here's the seven letters or the, uh, the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Powerful, good stuff. I know your works. I know that you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm, so I'll, he gets a little upset with people sometimes. And I, I think mean, sometimes we need a kick in the we need a, I think we need a little kick in the pants at times. I think this whole thing has been a kick in the pants, but that, that yes, is, that yeah. And that's what my buddy John uh, Knight has been talking about. He sees wonderful, positive things coming out of this this COVID thing. I mean, and maybe our true colors are coming out that we're all kind of maybe not real good at. Caring about other people, and maybe it's too much about me, myself, and I. Another song, great. Song. And another thing is he's testing us in um, 
how can we truly love our family and our neighbors in a crisis when we're all locked down? Like, this has been challenging for everybody. So now he's testing us to see if we can truly love each other without being on the go. There, there's a lot going on in this. In, there's a lot going on right now. You're so exactly on that right. note, did you do, have you been delving into revelations often these days or, or maybe more so I, than usual? I'm not a big revelation kind of a revelation man. Good song. I'm not that much into end times prophecy and that kind of stuff. I just know that because um, I think sometimes people all right, let's put it this way. I bought the book 1994 by Harold Camping. Well, okay. the book was all about him coming back in 1994. You want a book? Make you a good deal. He didn't come back in 94. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to follow Harold Camping like, like he was the ultimate guy when it came to teaching. And he was so, you know, the Bible says if somebody makes a prediction like that and it doesn't come true, you don't want to be hanging on too much to what they're saying and that is what we're seeing we're seeing all these prof prophecies being hung on to by even i would say more so the mainstream than the christian world it's like hey look this guy says this is going to end and it's like no we don't know when it's going to end that's up to that's in god's time and you know and, the bible even says that christ doesn't know when now figure that out i thought jesus was god how can that i can't get my head around that one i'm not supposed to just I'm, I'm not going to try that, but I'm, uh, well, yes, preparation is, um, preparation is a big H. one. And I don't mean survivalist preparation. I don't understand why people feel the need to hide in bunkers. It's really disturbing me, actually. And there, because those are the elitists, actually, that do that. And it's like, come on, dude. What, you can't no, Ed never... does that. He told me that, actually. And I was like, oh, but I mean, there are others that go take it even further. You know, I don't know. It's just. It's a weird, weird well, thing in the survivalist world. I have like three cases of uh, green tea in my basement that I forget that I have. Never mind. I, what did that have to do with nothing? I don't know, but if there's a run on green tea, you'll be A-OK, -okay, <laughs> I guess. Well, I tell you what, you drink too much green tea and there's a run. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I need uh, to grow up. Never grow up. I'm not, I can't grow up. <laughs> Hey, bud, Ali will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show, 9 a.m. Eastern, Radio Hope. Thanks, man. And uh, we'll be back. Allison Schrager from the Manhattan Institute joins me right now. For a little bit now, Allison Schrager, who you might have remembered from Quartz, now is at the Manhattan Institute. First of all, Allison, congrats on that jump. Thank you. Uh, and I hope everything is going well at the Institute during this time. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a great time to be there. Not that it's a great time to be anywhere, but to be in a job where you can just try to make sense of things is, I think, uh, you know, where, where you want to be if, you, if you're going to have to be anywhere because, you know, there's just so much to process. So I'm lucky that that's what I get to do for a living. Allison, you've been focused on the millennials and how they're controlling the economics and dealing with that. Are you still on that path at Manhattan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I guess the, I think about everyone. I mean, in theory, I worry about retirees, but you know, I'm always I always look at the retirement problem as a lifelong problem. So I think millennial economic trends certainly have always been super interesting to me too. Well, let me first cover the first topic, which I was really intrigued with the headline: Americans own more stock than ever. So, uh, do we 
what do you mean by that exactly? Tell us all about that article. Well, stock ownership is now about 50% of the population. And traditionally, it was a very small minority. Like in the 60s, only a couple percentage of people owned stock. So now we're all like sort of much bigger shareholders in this economy, at least directly. And obviously now they're going online, right? So that's kind of helped uh, the stock in the stocks as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the growth in stock ownership came from the 401k in that it sort of forces you to own stocks or makes it very easy to, as opposed to before people either had access to no sort of retirement saving or they had to find benefit plans where I guess they were exposed to stocks indirectly, but the employer was bearing all the risk for them. Has this pandemic, we've seen the effect on the stock market. Uh, are we starting to see a rebound? What are you, what are you seeing from your point of view? Well, I mean, I think the stock market certainly is, you know, today it was up. Um, it's certainly probably going to be, I'd expect it to be very volatile going forward okay. until, uh, you know, we, we know a lot more, probably at least through fall. But, you know, it, it's fascinating because usually we talk about negativity bias, you know, in that, you know, we tend to put bigger weight on bad news instead of good news. Sure. But, um, you know, the stock market goes up and down with every bit of news we get, but it certainly seems to go higher on good news than lower on bad news. So it, they seem to have, stock market appears to have a bit more of a positivity bias. Has this economy affected people's willingness to buy stock or are we doing even more? I don't know. I mean, I think most stockholders are fairly passive. You know, they're doing this through their retirement funds. So they probably haven't changed their behavior, especially we've drummed into people not to. Um, I think only the very sort of bold are actually trying to uh, trade on this, but I would expect less buying because usually when you have a recession, you know, rather than cutting wages, employers cut uh, 401k contributions. So that will be less people buying stock. Uh, in 2008, we had this kind of thing where the economy completely collapsed. Um, obviously, people recovered from that, but have there those that weren't recovering from that that now will not have a chance to recover from this or can we recover from this? Um, it really depends on how it goes. I mean, the good thing is, I mean, we did have a very long recovery. It was slow, but it was long. Mm -hmm. I'd expect this would be quite different. I mean, it really all depends on the path of the virus. I mean, I think if tomorrow, not that this is going to happen, we had a vaccine and everyone got it, I think we'd have a very vigorous recovery and we'll come back very strong, very quick. Uh, that's not going to happen. So because this uncertainty is going to persist and there's probably going to be a lot of steps forward and a couple steps back here and there. I think it's going to be pretty slow slog to get out of this. But how much damage is done in this slog will really just depend on how the news is. Uh, are you finding us millennials are kind of invincible, still feeling invincible when it comes to the economy, or have we slowed down a bit? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I think there's still a lot of positivity. That's I mean, good. millennials have certainly been knocked down, but of course, all generations are knocked down. Right. And now you said you were focusing on, on other topics. So what exactly have you been writing about at the Institute? Um, you know, writing about sort of, I guess, the state economy more generally, various policies. Uh, I've always thinking about retirement. So um, I think, I guess, the, the economy for everyone, not just millennials. Well, and for everyone, I mean, there are still small businesses that are thriving, right? And we have to shout out those people, too. Yeah, I mean, some are. Um, I think more aren't. Right. I mean, at the very least, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And I think certainly uncertainty in the job market. In some ways, millennials are lucky. I would not want to be graduating into this market. But at least millennials mm. now, they're a little older. Unlike in 2008, they all have some labor market experience. So mm. I'd be honestly less worried about them than I would be Gen Z right now. 
Well, how's the all these stimulus packages affecting the economy that we may not be hearing of? Well, I don't think we really know what the stimulus is yet. I mean, the, the prior fiscal policy was very much focused on keeping companies in life support during a shutdown. But now right. that we're coming out of it and coming out of it slowly, uh, we're going to need very sort of different fiscal policy. And so I, I still don't know what that is. I don't think anyone does. The bailout, the word bailout has not really been rearing its ugly head here. Do you know why that might be? I think because we're more sympathetic to the companies that we're bailing out. Bailout is a okay. bad connotation. And also, I mean, I think that's even fair. I mean, I think the stress that most companies are going through financially, it's not like it was their fault. It wasn't like 2008 where there was someone being really reckless. I don't think, you know, you, it's fair to expect companies, especially small businesses, to keep the sort of cash on hand to handle this sort of event that was so, you know, unexpected and so economically devastating. You know, what's interesting also is we were kind of telling companies, oh, we'll bail you out because we can't, we, you can't help yourselves here. In a way, we're telling companies, we want you to build these N95 masks. We want you to be involved in a way we've not seen before, right, during a crisis? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, I've never seen, I guess, during wars, we used to do that. Yeah, I mean, they're all really pitching in these big corporations, which is, which is good to see. And I do like when the companies that are doing well give back the stimulus to those who aren't. So there's that kind of sharing going on, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they did that to the goodness of their heart or it was um, sort of public relations issue. I think that's what makes it interesting. It's like all companies need support now, big and small. Sure. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, the biggest risk right now is sort of a political backlash from taking money if you need it. You know, Elon Musk is in the news because of all what he wants to do with his plant. But I mean, I remember just a few months ago, he was in the crosshairs with the Securities Exchange Commission. So was there an update on that or what, what ended up coming out of that? I, I don't know. I don't re- I'm not really following it. Okay. I just know that he was in hot water, but now he's kind of switched and said, we're going to build the plant. So it's interesting to watch. Uh, are you sort of seeing behavior like that within your circles? Like, yeah, we want to get back open and we don't care what they tell us. Uh, no, I mean, I'm in New York and I think uh, people are maybe because we, you know, we had a pretty bad experience. I mean, people are definitely anxious to get back, but I don't think they're pushing it or flouting regulations that much. Well, we are seeing some companies and diners and restaurants open up now for delivery and takeout. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, I, I get excited every time I walk by a company, uh, any restaurant, and see like a long line of takeout packages ready. Alice, I know you also had a book out, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was a year ago. Uh, it's called An Economist Walks Into a Brothel, and it's all about uh, useful now, different ways to think about and manage risk. Well, and, and I mean, that book seems timely for this moment, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gotten a little uptick in sales lately, I think, for that. It's all the ways different people think about and manage risk. And uh, yeah, now we're all risk managers. Well, right. So what is the biggest risk right now in a lockdown that someone could take, aside from buying a stock in the moment? Um, well, I mean, obviously, there's risk to your health. Um, yeah. so the, I mean, I think as we're opening up and figuring out we have to live our lives with this virus, you know, there's no way of avoiding that risk. But you can right. do certain things that are riskier than others. And uh, as I said, like, I mean, if you're a business owner, you know, you know what you're willing to open, how much liability you're willing to take on. There's a lot of uncertainties now. Allison, you've been following economics for a long time now. So uh, I also believe in the human economy. How are we treating the human economy right now with all these mixed messages? Yeah, we should open up. No, we should keep closed. Like, how's that? What's the human economy? The human economy, like, you know, every person just... 
we are our own kind of economy where we just produce everything and we want to keep ourselves safe. So what are we telling the human that wants to get back to work? I feel like we're telling them mixed messages. No, you can't. Yes, you can. I don't know. I think we've gotten consistent messages that, you know, you couldn't and now, you know, hey, we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do this. Have we, have we reopened the economy slightly since this started? Like, have you seen a jump? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even New York isn't technically open, but you, it feels more open. Well, right. And that was the other thing. I, maybe you'll agree that the, uh, the media did not tell us everything was open still for delivery. They kind of just said everything's closed. And I always thought that was a, a bad thing on their part to just say everything's closed when that wasn't really the case. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's certainly a lot of confusion. Yeah, definitely so. So what what projects are you working on now? And, and what are you, I know you're doing some interviews now. So what are you talking about? Um, this is certainly, if you're an economist, as I said, there's a lot to think about, a lot to make sense of policy, you know, sort of, you know, long-term outlook, you know, for businesses, for individuals. Is there a big debate between how we do this amongst economists? Certainly. And, you know, I think it reminds me a bit of 2008. And when you're an economist, you know, you learn the most when things don't work. So uh, seeing how the economy responds and how it's going to come out of it, I mean, we're learning a lot. And do you find, uh, is there any panic buying into stocks or panic selling into stocks that we're seeing right now? I'm sure. I mean, instead, I'm an efficient markets person, so I don't speculate too much on it. But I mean, I imagine, yeah, there's a lot of panic buying and selling. I mean, because the long-term outlook is so uncertain. So, you know, every day, you know, the slightest bit of news, the stock market is going to do something either soar or crash. Have you seen this be such a reactive one before, like in prior administrations, or is this one of the most reactive markets you've ever seen? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I remember being pretty volatile for a while in 2008. Um, seems like everything, even Trump tweets are affecting the market today. Yeah. But overall it was up. I think, as I said, it it seems to have a bit of a positivity bias. The news Uh, about the vaccine certainly sent it going. Oh, that's going to, that's going to send it soaring. So uh, I'm glad. And and the other thing with the economy is what studies are we going to start seeing over the last couple of months? Obviously the unemployment claims are one big deal that we have to combat, but what other studies are they looking at when it comes to the economics, economics during the pandemic? Who's they? Or anybody like whoever releases studies on these economy, economic policies and whatnot. Well, I think everyone's looking at the data, but I mean, the data as well is sort of has less meaning than it normally did. It's a very different kind of shock than before. Well, Allison, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, by the way, I'm definitely going to have her back because I want to know a little more about Cuomo's policies, how his policies really did affect the the New York economy beforehand and after uh, the pandemic. I also want to know uh, a couple other things. Was the lockdown this long truly damaging or did, did, did we catch, did we start saying we have to open just in time before a massive depression hit us? Just a couple more questions I'll have to ask Allison when she comes back and when we have her back. But thanks, Allison Schrager of the Manhattan Institute. <laughs> you can follow her, by the way, at Allison, S-C-H-R-A-G-E-R, Allison, S-C-H-R-A-G-E-R, and uh, she's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and co-founder of Life Cycle.
finance. So a lot of stuff going on for her. Thanks for for taking the time. And uh, and then later today, do you know Pre uh, William Barr, the Department uh, of Justice, the Attorney General, had a huge press conference yesterday. And I want to know more about that. I want to know more about what he's saying as revelations continue to come out uh, that they're finding. And Politico says he actually had a rebuke against Trump. I'm going to ask Jeff Mordock, our trusty friend, trusty Washington Times DOJ reporter. He's going to be on the scene for us in just a bit. I can't wait. And uh, also... As I said, tomorrow, the extra, Garrett Extra is going to have a very special tone as I welcome Joe Salonica uh, from the Henry Viscardi School. He runs our wheelchair basketball program. And we have the 90s. Uh, we have the 90s where we had Michael and the Bulls. We have the 90s where we had the Yankees. Amazing success. And we also had success at Henry Viscardi School, a, you know, a school for kids with disabilities. But we played wheelchair basketball. We were winning a lot as the Cubbies and the Cougars in the 90s. And there was one special person who, while Michael Jordan was running the ruling the roost in the NBA, this one kid, Scotty Pollock, no arms, playing basketball, shooting the basketball who, uh, with just his legs, and doing a darn good job of it. I am, um, I'm very, uh, very excited to relive that, to get Joe's take on that, as he saw both of those rises. He saw Michael Jordan. He saw Scotty. I mean, there was, there really felt like a symbiotic connection, and I want to kind of tap into that. And uh, on that note, Bob Costas, one of my friends who I tend to run into at the Belmont Park, Belmont Racetrack on, uh, you know, Stakes Day. Bob Costas had this incredible sign-off after the 98 Finals. When, yes, Michael Jordan at the Bulls, and by the way, it was a pizza, not the flu, that caused Michael to get sick. And I, I, I am conspiratorial about that in a way. I don't know how... Someone in Utah lets that happen. Of course, maybe it was designed a certain way to give him some trouble, to get him sick before the final. I don't know. Just speculating. But, at any rate, with flu-like symptoms, I do have to think that if Dr. Anthony Fauci was his um, doctor, was the Bulls' doctor, he would have quarantined Michael for 14 days, and uh, that shot would never have been made against the, the Jazz. Just a hot take there. But I want you to listen to Bob Costas. In the 1998 finals, his final sign-off on what he saw as the end of that dynasty and, and really sort of the end of basketball as we knew it. Take all the money, all the adulation, all the TV cameras away and put Michael Jordan in a gym somewhere with Russell and Oscar, West and the Doctor, and he'd be as genuine and as much in his element as any of them. His heart and his athletic integrity, every bit as impressive as his artistry. So whenever it ends, it's been an incredible ride for Jordan and the Bulls, and we at NBC have been privileged to be taken along for that ride. 
And on that note, on that note, I just want to play you this because I'm glad Fox Sports 1 is using it, by the way. But because this was the 90s as we knew it. 